0: Hello everyone, my name is Steven Kilger. I'm the Managing Editor of Feed and Grain and the host of the Feed and Grain Podcast. Today I am sitting down with Gordon Denny, he's the General Manager of Gordon Denny LLC, a consulting corporation specializing in the production, marketing, and processing aspects of the soybean and grain industries. He is here to talk to me about the recent rise in the soybean crush facilities. I don't know if you noticed, but they are popping up all over the country, Uh, each one a very expensive build and ready to take in a lot of soybeans. So I was interested in kind of what's going on in that industry, and he's happy enough to tell us more. I want to thank everyone for listening today, and if you have a topic or a guest you would like to see on the Feeding Grain podcast, please go to BeatingGrain.com slash podcast, there's a little button on that page that you can click, and it'll be a direct line to me where you can suggest, you know, any topic or guests that you please. Uh, but for now, thank you for listening, and Gordon, thank you so much for being here. So uh, the whole reason behind this is uh, I personally i have been uh, working in um, – the feed handling and processing and the feed manu- grain handling and processing in and the, manu- the feed manufacturing industry for seven years now. And I've just noticed that lately a lot of soybean crush plants seem to be either being built or coming online. And I was just really interested to see your take on this important value add for producers.
1: Yeah, um,
0: Can you start by just telling me a little bit about what a soybean crush plant is?
1: Sure. Because so I do a lot of consulting for United Soybean Board. The U.S. Soybean Export Council. Those are my main two folks that I try to work with and focus on because I just really, I got a lot of friends that are soybean farmers. Those are the guys I like to help, and so anyway, I won't do anything that isn't positive for the U.S. Soybean Farmer. Um, that's that's my prejudice and my uh, upfront integrity, honesty. Comment. So, well, anyway. I
0: like to tell pe- tell people we're not we're we're B two B. We're not uh, you know the New York Times or anything like that. We're always on our industry
1: side. So, yeah, you don't want to uh, I mean, negate or, or talk derogatorily about your number one customers. So, not only that, because just there's it's such a tough industry and there's so many uncontrollable variables that farmers and processors and nutritionists and the whole. Soy value chain has to deal with, but so anyway, I've got 43 years of direct hands-on experience in the soybean world. Uh, worked for Bunge for several years, both as a soybean processing plant manager and a director of procurement, where we were we had to buy the beans that uh, for the processing plants uh, domestically. So anyway, that's all I've ever done since I got out of the Marine Corps in 1980 is work in the soybean business. And even prior to that, I was, I'm was a backwoods, southern Indiana, hillbilly farm kid. And we had a small farm that fed actually soybean hay to our beef cattle back then. So it's put kids through college, bought houses, bought the clothes I'm wearing, food, you name it, That's soybeans are, are my are my thing. Um, and I have, it's a unique experience. And I don't know of anyone else dumb enough to have done both, where Half my career was in the processing side of the business and the other half was in the commodity trading procurement side of the business. Those are usually kind of mutually exclusive, but I saw an opportunity to help both those entities. They usually work against one another. They're jealous of one another. They They don't have mutual goals, but I saw an opportunity way back when that I understand both sides of the equation and maybe help to get those groups to work closer together. So, uh, soybean processing plants, 61, 62 of them in the U.S. today that are operating, and they can range anywhere from 30,000 bushels a day on up to, I, I don't know, two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand 300,000 bushels a day. And I've done some calculations there on the average size based on the company and the NOPA representation. So they cost, if you were building a brand-new plant today, it's going to be, 350 to $450 million. Dollars. So it's an expensive undertaking. I think the, the industry is spending 5 and a half to $6 billion dollars over the next three to four years to get new processing plants built to increase the crush capacity. And the demand is primarily coming from the renewable diesel uh, and the sustainable aviation fuel trends that initiated in California But they're now because of the sustainability, because of the carbon intensity, because of the low cost fuel standard, low carbon fuel standards, all those things are going to push us away from fossil fuels more towards a sustainable, renewable, greener fuels for both vehicles and airplanes. So that's the real impetus, and it's one of those things where it feels like ethanol back 20 years ago or so, or 25 maybe. There's four things a government can do to create artificial economics to incentivize new companies. You can mandate it. You can give tax credits. You can use tariff protections. Gosh, there's one other I can't think of offhand. hand. Uh, along the tax credit line. But, but anyway, we did it for ethanol, and now that's kind of dying out a wee bit and probably has seen its heyday. So we're shifting over to the renewable diesel and the sustainable aviation fuel, and we're burning food oils, food grade oils, like soybean oil or canola oil or palm oil or something that can be converted to having a similar molecular structure as petroleum oils yeah credits mandates subsidies and tariff protection was a those are four things i tried to uh, remember that the government is doing to get these the incubation of new companies spurred along there's two things that the soybean industry reacts to fear and greed and fomo fear of missing out is a huge incentive for soybean processors and the big four, and it's not ABCD. It never really was in domestically. It's, it's ADM, Bunge, Cargill, and Ag processing. AABC would be the proper acronym. <laughs> uh, Dreyfus only has one domestic plant. They do export lots of stuff. They trade lots of stuff. Argentina and South America wise, they're big, but in the u.s it's aabc so those four guys control about 70 or 75 percent of the u.s domestic crush that percentage is probably going to come down in the future as we have new entrants into the industry even though all of those companies are expanding or building new plants but they're only doing it to to provide soybean oil to the refineries that will provide renewable diesel in those states that have mandated it. And, and there's, there are several of those besides California. There are others that are tagging along. The soybean meal is going to be the real problem. If we increase capacity, and I think my projections show about a 28% increase mm-hmm. um, in crushed capacity in the next three to four years, the oil can go away. That's you know, not a huge problem. Because the demand is going to be there, the refineries are already converting over, that's that's gonna be taken care of. But the soybean meal and you can't really store soybean meal. It takes up a lot of volume, it's not easy to handle once it sets for a while. So getting rid of the soybean meal is going to be a significant issue and opportunity. We we do increase consumption of soybean meal every year, but this is going to be a cathartic jump in production so it's going to take some adjustments in the industry we're going to have to export more soybean meal we're going to have to export more poultry Mm -hmm. and we're going to have to grow the poultry industry in the u.s to consume more soybean meal we would like that 65 percent of the soybean meal produced in the united states today goes into something with a feather a broiler a layer or a turkey okay so feathers are the number one friend of soybean meal in the United States. Pork consumes, depending on the year and, and exports, 20 to 24% of the soybean meal that is produced in the U.S. With China, you know, it exports on pork are down. China is kind of self-sufficient. Their pork processors have good margins. So it, it, we could get to the point where our soybean meal is going to, t- China has always bought beans from the world, from both Brazil Mm -hmm. and the U.S. I think in the future, we could see China starting to import soybean meal from the U.S. because the values will be so low, so inexpensive. In the past, Argentina has been the number one soybean meal exporter in the world in a big way. Brazil exports beans, U.S. exports beans, Argentina exports soybean meal. That's They have differential export taxes. That's the way the industry is set up. So over the years, but now Argentina is starting to shut down some of their crush plants. And their crush plants are much less efficient. And they operate at much lower run rates, meaning U.S. plants will average around 92% of maximum crush capacity. Argentina may be at 55%. So, and it's a high fixed cost industry. You want to run as many bushels of soybeans through your plant as possible to keep your fixed costs low. So, anyway, so I think the U.S. will take the place of Argentina, and we're going to have to export. So, anyway, big expansion, lots of meal, lots of changes, an unprecedented amount of capital. Being spent and invested in soybean processing, the Im- main impetus is renewable diesel that started in California. Uh, now followed on by sustainable aviation fuel, and the you know the new government legislation that has recently been passed will continue to fund, mandate, subsidized tax credits, tariff protection, all those type of things to ensure that the it's successful. They're incentivizing,
0: and, and really fascinating because it does seem like the U.S. at least has a real good potential to become kind of a mecca for this. Yeah, if we want to? I mean, we have the soybeans, and we're investing in the in the infrastructure. Our companies are so hopefully yeah. <laughs> we can you know become one of those exporter of both the oil and the fuel and soybean meal. I mean, obviously, soybean farmers are really are excited about this. Is it just because it's another market to sell their soybeans to, or are they getting a premium if they sell to a, a facility, a soybean crush facility, or um, just just you know, kind of the hey, well, more markets, better. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, no, more de- more demand is better, I guess, and then you can break the demand down because it is more places to sell, and some of these plants are being built in processing deserts, meaning we have not had the crush capacity needed in certain areas of the country. So we're now filling in those gaps in the soybean processing crush industry and this this renewable diesel trend has started that. But they both see increased demand. They see a lower cash basis. Their local cash basis will be much better we're going to probably see increased soybean plantings and acreage in the future. They'll have less transportation tied up to get their soybeans taken to a premium market.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Processors operate, around, you know, typically 24 hours a day, seven days a week, times 350 days a year. So the demand is very steady. It's not like the export demand that can fluctuate Seasonally with South America, okay. domestic processors provide a steady, regular source of demand and Right now, there are people in the United States paying two dollars and twenty five two dollars and forty cents a bushel over the November futures in Chicago. Oh wow. So they didn't they didn't plan well. Uh that's a that's an unbelievably high cash basis even though the markets are inverted in Chicago, but but somebody didn't plan ahead well. If I'd been the soybean buyer at this point and had to pay that much, I probably would be looking for another job. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, and transportation is going to be a huge issue in the future, particularly on rail as the railroads don't have I mean, they're short crews and they're short power units. So they're going to have to, and they're probably petitioning they're working politics in Washington to get tax breaks or incentives or something else to help them out as well. But we've lost crush this year because the railroads could not service the existing plant capacities. So we're going to need new rail cars to be built. We're going to need more railroad switch engines and crews to provide the service for all these new a 28% increase in crush capacity, and nice. a, significant. And a lot of that crush yeah. will have to be moved into the export channels. So, in the previous, you know, some of it goes away by truck, just in the local truck market. So, that market is currently satiated or saturated or both, but it, we can't expect that market to grow very much. No. No, that's, But real cars into the valley of the poultry industry. And again, poultry, something with a feather, is is kind of soybean's number one friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and
0: hopefully, you know, the strike doesn't happen and we don't lose a giant, have a giant catastrophe this, this fall with the real <laughs>
1: so, Well, the, the president can step in and he can mandate, uh, I forget what the, the legal phrase is, where a cooling off period and then... They are forced to come back to work, and then they in, introduce federal negotiators. Um, yeah, because but it's a critical part of infrastructure, with food prices and everything else the way they are. I'm sure that, even if he's awake, that Biden will will force something to to happen.
0: Yeah, well, hope. Let's hope. I'm sure he will, because we really can't. Well, let's face it. It's been a battle of trying to get the railroad companies to update infrastructure and cars and get more and more right. while they're trying to run at the, you know, the lowest possible cost that they can. So.
1: Yeah. I forget what it was called. Um, and the guy that instituted it a few years ago just died recently, and he was a CEO for a couple of different railroad class ones. But it was a least cost formula where they want to – it was scheduled a service, and you have to line your cars up – we're coming in every day at five o'clock to pick up your fifty cars of meal or oil or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ready then we're gonna we're gonna leave. So they improved their efficiencies and dwell times and and car turns and all that. But the customers bore the cost. Uh it shut plants down if they'd have a railroad problem somewhere, chickens that went hungry, so but I think we're gonna have to get away from that old mentality of Uh, Yeah, they have a monopoly, but the government's going to have to make sure that that monopoly facilitates U.S. production and trade and food costs and helping to feed the world. So that's one thing I I would think is a key phrase maybe is that soybean oil for renewable diesel is going to subsidize soybean meal prices. So I think protein... In almost every form, and that includes chicken and pigs and beef. Really doesn't beef eats seven or eight percent of U.S. soybean meal production, and dairy is another seven or eight percent. Aquaculture is next to nothing; it's point seven percent. So, oil in renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel will subsidize the price of protein. Therefore, I think helping to feed humans. I don't. I don't think we're starving for fat in the world I think we're more starved for protein so in that respect I can see protein in all forms and even the uh the artificial meat whatever term you want to use for impossible burger and beyond meat and all that (laughs) vegetable meat I I see protein in most every form getting cheaper in value cheaper in price
0: well that will be a welcome relief at the grocery store huh
1: yeah. <laughs> it certainly yeah. has not been going that way lately. <laughs> no. We're, what were we up to? 12% at the groceries and 8% in restaurants over the last year. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well... well you've answered all my, all the questions I had. I want to thank you so much. Uh, sure. Great talking to you. It's an industry that we haven't covered enough and I really want to, I, I continue to expand our coverage of it, especially as it becomes more and more important and we start having more and more soybean meal that we yeah. uh, will be getting added to animal feed and things like that. So yeah, awesome. absolutely.
1: Totally agree. All right.
0: Okay. Thank you.